Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. It is Thursday, October 6th. Mike Rinder is one of the most fascinating people in the media business. He was indoctrinated into Scientology as a child in Australia and joined L. Ron Hubbard, the religion's founder, and some of his most fervent followers during those early days of this quasi-religion. During that time, Mike joined the Sea Org, the group's version of a clergy class, signing that infamous billion-year contract, and he traveled the world on Hubbard's boat, ultimately landing in the U.S. and becoming one of the highest-ranking Scientologists and Ultimately, he was their spokesperson slash enforcer under the second leader, David Miscovich, who still runs the group today. Mike saw close up the control that Scientology has had over its celebrity members like Tom Cruise, John Travolta, Kirstie Alley, Elizabeth Moss. Then, fed up with the abuses he says he witnessed, including being held captive in something called the hole, he bolted. And now he's become one of the church's most outspoken critics. He and Leah Remini, the TV star, created Scientology and the Aftermath the Emmy-winning docuseries on A&E from a few years ago that's still available on streaming. You should watch it. It's fantastic. That's where I got to know Mike. And now he's got a new book called A Billion Years, My Escape from a Life in the Highest Ranks of Scientology. So today we're going to go deep into Mike's story and what Scientology is like today. It's a weekend organization, as we'll discuss, but it's still there in plain sight. It's actually kind of amazing. You walk down Hollywood Boulevard these days, you still see Scientology on the left, right. It's a real estate empire. It's actually become an issue in the L.A. mayor's race this year because one of the candidates, Karen Bass, gave a speech to the church many, many years ago, and it's been used in campaign ads against her. I should say Scientology denies pretty much everything Mike says, calling him a liar and an apostate, hell-bent on destroying a legitimate religion that, after all, does have tax-exempt status from the IRS. All right, that's out of the way. So today, is the internet slowly killing Scientology? What's going on in the Danny Masterson trial? Tom Cruise's involvement. And where is Shelly Miscavige? From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Mike Rinder. Mike has written an awesome new book called A Billion Years, My Escape from a Life in the Highest Ranks of Scientology. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Matt. Nice to be back with you. We know each other a little just over the years doing Scientology stuff. I'm sure in the early part of my career, you were the person that was responding 
to my inquiries from inside Scientology. And then lo and behold, 10 years later, we're doing an Emmy panel for your show, Aftermath, talking all about all the nasty things you did while you were in Scientology. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've been fascinated by Scientology for years, and not just because of the celebrity stuff. I mean, I know Tom Cruise and John Travolta gets a lot of attention, but to me, it's this notion that Lawrence Wright got at in his book, which was this prison of belief. The idea that it is so outrageous and keeps getting more outrageous the deeper you get into the religion, but people believe, and they still believe to this day. And that's what's fascinated me all these years. And you, I mean, you call Scientology a, quote, toxic cult that has for decades abused and destroyed people in the book. And you refuse to even capitalize the word Scientology. Why is that? I don't want to grant credence to the idea that this is a, tr a copyright trademark term of an official religious organization. I rather use the the more sort of generic term with a uh, lowercase s, mm -hmm. uh, like sociology or sociopathy or, you know, a, a subject rather than what they want to be, which is a recognized entity that has full sanction of the government. Well, unfortunately, they do. I mean, do you think there's ever a chance that given all of the alleged abuses that have been uncovered by you and others that the federal government will ever revisit this. I mean, they, they have, they have full tax exempt status and they can build this real estate empire that is powering this group for, you know, across countries. Now they have more money than they know what to do with. And it's all because of this tax exempt status. And you do believe that the government will re revisit that. Eventually. Yes. I believe that eventually Matt, it will become politically expedient for some member of Congress or a senator or, you know, someone somewhere to take this on as an issue. And the more the message gets out that you and every other taxpayer in the United States is subsidizing the abuses that are ongoing in Scientology, you know, Scientology is the only quote unquote religion that has department dedicated to destroying its enemies. And you know that because you ran it. <laughs> yes, that's right. Not to mention the fact that they are keeping people quasi-captive and throwing people in a hole. So talk a little bit about that, because I don't, I mean, we're not going to go into the details of Scientology over the years and what they do. I mean, there's plenty of that information. I recommend people watch the Going Clear documentary on HBO or read Lawrence Wright's book if you want that. What you wrote about in your book is your personal story. Tell me about the moment that you decided to leave. It took me a few years to come to the final point where I went, okay, nothing could be worse than this. I have got to get away from it. And that happened when I was in London. I had been sent to London. I'd been taken out of the hole, which was the prison that you'll see in Going Clear. And I describe in pretty great detail in the book and sent to London to deal with a BBC reporter named John Sweeney who was doing a program for the BBC Panorama show. And Sweeney sort of doorstopped me in the, uh, in the doorway of the Church of Scientology of London in Tottenham Court Road and stuck 
his camera microphone in my face and said, paraphrasing, how do you respond to the allegations that David Miscavige has physically assaulted and beaten you? And hmm. I said, they're all, uh, that's just lies. And we'll sue you if you run that. And it was like very, I was very like, yeah, this is total bullshit. But you knew it was true because you had been the victim. Absolutely. And then he said, well, I've got eyewitnesses who say that they have seen this happen on more than one occasion. He said, oh, they're liars. And I walked away from that interaction with him. And I went, what the hell am I doing? I did not get into Scientology or join the Sea Org or work all these years with L. Ron Hubbard and blah, blah, blah to defend a lunatic who is physically assaulting people. That's not why I joined Scientology. But even at that point, Matt, I was afraid of leaving because I would be abandoning my children and wife. Two days or, or shortly thereafter, the program airs, and I think, okay, I dodged a bullet. They didn't mention anything about Miscavige beating people. Miscavige wasn't so enthused and said the program should never have aired and that if he'd been in London, it wouldn't have aired. Well, he wouldn't even talk to the BBC, so I got sent as the cannon fodder for that. He then sent a message to um, someone in the United Kingdom in London with a CC to me saying, Rinder's never coming back to the United States. And I quote this in the book. He's going to be sent to the farthest reaches of Western Australia, <laughs> and I'm a really nice guy. I'll give him 10 quid, and if he can't make it, he can always sell his body on the street. Wow. I, at that point, went, I'm, I'm never going, like, I've lost my children and wife. I'm not going back to the United States. So what is it? What, what is there left for me? And they're still there. Yes, they are very much still there, and they're still making videos about me like once a week or so saying what a horrible, terrible person oh, I am and tragic. writing, you know, threat letters. And, you know, if you publish this book, you know, we're going to sue you and like, okay, go ahead. Wow. Everyone is fascinated by the Tom Cruise element here. And you were there with him for a long time. And you talk about this in the book. And some of the strategies that initially went into luring him and some of the, you know, how important he is. He's basically the unofficial number two in the religion right now. Is that true? Yes, that's exactly right. And, and that's how Miscavige presents him. Right. He's like my, he's like my guy. Right. So how does, how was the success this summer of the Top Gun sequel communicated to Scientology? I imagine they took, the opportunity to say this was an endorsement of everything they stand for, correct? Of course, Matt. <laughs> everything, everything that happens good is because of Scientology. If right. anything goes bad, it's because Scientology wasn't really properly applied. Right. So back in the early 2000s, I remember there was this bake-off or alleged bake-off for a girlfriend for Tom Cruise. And I, I knew a little bit about this because a friend of mine was representing an actress at the time who went in for what she thought was an audition for <laughs> a Tom Cruise movie. And 
it was very clear that the questions became personal and she got weirded out. And this is an actress we all know, and I will not name her because I don't want to drag her into this. Right. But then lo and behold, three months later, it's Katie Holmes who emerges as Tom Cruise's new girlfriend. That was a bake-off, right? Those were interviews to be his girlfriend. Yes. And, and I talk about this in the book, the start of that, which was in Madrid, when at, the po- at that time, Leanne was his, uh, Tom's sister was being his publicist because he had fired Pat Kingsley. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing in the lobby of the, the, the Scientology organization in Madrid talking to Tom and Leanne. And Tom says to me, can you believe Leanne can't find me a girlfriend? And I'm like, huh? You know, like what? Like she had gone out for some, you know, a six pack or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And at that shortly thereafter, Miscavige walked in and said, what are you guys talking about? And Tom repeats the same thing to him. I wasn't involved in this process subsequently, but there is a wonderful story that Maureen Orth wrote in Vanity Fair about my friend Nas Boniandi who became the first victim of this project to find a girlfriend for Tom Cruise. And and by the way, she is a successful actress. She was on Homeland and she's now on the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power show. But she ended up, for those who don't know, she ended up being Cruise's girlfriend. And there were allegations that that was after a long search post Katie Holmes, post, you know, that Surrey no, situation. that was pre-Katie Holmes. Oh, that was pre-Katie Holmes. Yes, oh, interesting. I think she was the first one, Matt. Oh. I, I'm sure it was pre-Katie Holmes. You know, I could be wrong about these the, about the time on this stuff. I don't track all of it that well. That article by Maureen Auth in the in Vanity Fair goes into enormous detail about this. Nas okay. has never spoken about it because she was forced to sign an NDA. But a lot of people around uh, did and became sources for Maureen, and she put together a terrific story. Do you think Nicole Kidman will ever go public with what happened there and the disconnection from her children and how that all ended? I doubt it. I mean, she hasn't to this point, so yeah. why, why now? Well, she could do a lot of good, to be honest. If she spoke out about the disconnection policy in Scientology and made it a thing that people knew about even more than they already do, she could have an impact. She's a big star. Of course. And I would love it if she would. I don't know the circumstances of whatever their agreement was and how that all ended. You know, Katie Holmes has never said anything either. And she's got a daughter who has been disconnected from, clearly. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. The internet is basically slowly killing the Church of Scientology, in my yes, opinion. Yes, it is. And, and I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, anyone who hears about it, the first thing you might do is Google and you come across, you know, your show or any number of articles that come out in the media these days, which is much more aggressive than it used to be because Scientology has sort of been forced to back off of its, some of its fair game tactics. Um, You don't see people overtly sued or threatened as you once 
did. And if you look on there, you can read the story of Xenu right away. You don't have right. to wait until you're an OT3 to know about the intergalactic warrior that is the centerpiece of this religion, right? Right. That's exactly right. So so is this does Scientology eventually go to zero or will it always kind of be around? I think it will always kind of be around. It's really hard to kill what is essentially an idea, but you can eradicate practices that are abusive. You can eradicate the taking people's money. I mean, ultimately Scientology will dwindle down. It has already dwindled dramatically, Matt. The number of new people coming into Scientology is virtually zero for the exact reason that you say. The number of people that are involved in Scientology continues to get smaller. And one would sort of imagine that that would mean there would be a reduction in revenue. I'm not sure that that's really the case. I think that it's sort of a reflection of the worse things are outside the bubble of Scientology, the more convinced the people inside the bubble are that they need to do more to save Scientology. Right. And that's the prison of belief. Save the world. Yes, exactly. It's insane. And also, anyone who's owned as much real estate as they've owned over the past 30 years has made a fortune on that real estate. And in Scientology, it's tax-free. You walk down Hollywood Boulevard, still to this day, half the buildings are owned by Scientology. I don't know what they do with them, but they own them. Right. Um, it's, It's amazing. Well, it's even worse than Clearwater. Oh, I mean, that is a company town, basically. Yes, it is. We mentioned that the ranks are down overall, but in Hollywood, Scientology is kind of a joke now, right? I mean, the unless you are born into it, unless you are a Danny Masterson type, and we will get to him, or Elizabeth Moss, I don't think a lot of people are getting off the bus from Indiana and say, I want to be an actor. Oh, there's a celebrity center. Let me go take some classes there. Is that right. still happening? Well, they still try it. They still try and do that. They Mm -hmm. promote the fact at the Celebrity Center in particular, which is the Scientology organization dedicated exclusively to seeking to attract celebrities. They have these workshops that they do, like how to become a successful actor, how to write a script, how to produce a movie, how to like, and oddly, the people that they use to do these seminars are absolute nobodies. Right. But you can tell how diminished the influence of Scientology is in Hollywood by the fact that the last big movie star that joined Scientology is, I don't know, back in the day, that was John Travolta. That was Kirstie Alley. Those people came into Scientology already in the business in some way and then expanded their career and then credited it all with Scientology. There isn't anybody like that. Danny Masterson is a second-generation Scientologist. Beck is a second-generation Scientologist. Although he's kind of moved away. He's yeah, sort he's, of said he's kind this. of sort of, you know, gone <laughs> mealy, gone yeah. mealy mouth about it. Yeah, the Rabisis. Yeah, other than that, there isn't anybody. So clearly they're not having a great deal of success. 
So let's talk about the Danny Masterson trial. He's a, a, yeah. awaiting trial on um, some rape charges. And there was a Scientology angle here, which actually some news, the Supreme Court just denied a petition uh, from Scientology to kind of, they were trying to, well, you explain what, you explain what was going on. There is this thing that Scientology has done fairly successfully now, which is get people to sign contracts when they participate in Scientology. And part of that contract is that you agree that if you have a dispute of any type with Scientology, you will submit to what they call religious arbitration, which is complete bullshit. There's never, there's no such thing. It was a created term put into these contracts and Scientology has had some success in enforcing these contracts. And even in the case of the victims who were allegedly raped by Danny Masterson, and they took it like they sort of won in one place and then got overturned and then got... Well, yeah, the appeals court overturned it and this, they the Scientology thought they could petition to the Supreme Court, which right. does not accept very many cases. And lo and behold, today, the Supreme Court did not take the case. So that agreement will not be enforceable. That one was so far removed from reality that they were saying that that Danny Masterson himself could sit in on this arbitration proceeding, which right. is like, you know, uh, you just don't. Uh, you don't take victims of sexual abuse and put them in the same room with their alleged victimizer. I mean, it's just absurd. Well, it also gives an incentive for these religious organizations or any organization that could contract around this to keep this stuff quiet. You know, yes. there were some allegations in this case that these women who were allegedly abused by Danny Masterson didn't feel they could even go to the police because it was all to be kept quiet within Scientology. Well, that's what the policy says. Yeah. You you deal with things internally in Scientology. You do not go to law enforcement. Hubbard right. had a lot to say about how terrible law enforcement is. If you get yourselves in the hands of law enforcement, you're probably going to end up in a psychiatric war. You know, it's like it's over the top. Not just, but it's not even just law enforcement. It's law enforcement, the court system the government in general, everybody and anybody. But I mean, if you look at the, the Hubbard teachings, it's all protectionist. It's right. to keep the institutions out of your life and replace them with Scientology. That's exactly right. So that's in one case. The other case going on right now, which is a bit more complicated, and I'm curious your thoughts, are the Paul Haggis case. Right. I mean, he is accused of sexually abusing a publicist. I actually know her, Haley Breest. And that case is also proceeding to a trial. And Paul Haggis, who is a very famous apostate in Scientology, he quit the church and came out against it. He was participating in the New Yorker article that gave birth to the Lawrence Wright book. He's in Going Clear. He's another very well-known anti-Scientologist. Um, he's an Oscar-winning filmmaker as well. He claims that all of these allegations against him have been fabricated by Scientology and that they are behind it. And that when he left the church, he actually predicted that there would be an allegation made against him that the church would be behind that allegation. Right. Where do you stand on this case? 
Matt, I can only talk a little bit about this. I, I made my views very clear in some blog posts that I did on my blog with Leah, where I recounted uh, what the policies of Scientology are in detail about how you go about destroying someone who is perceived as an enemy like Paul Haggis. And the examples that Hubbard gives about how you uh, accomplish that end. And I believe that that ultimately the truth will come out in the mm -hmm. trial. That's interesting because I would normally agree with you that if there's a coincidental allegation against someone who is very publicly against Scientology, that you have to ultimately look back at the church. But this is a sexual assault case. There's a, a real woman attached to this who, by all accounts, doesn't have any connection to Scientology. So I agree. I guess we'll see in the trial. Yes, we'll have to. Okay. Uh, separate topic. How's Shelly Miscovich doing these days? Oh, wonderful. She's having living the life, <laughs> living, living a dream. I mean, for those who don't know, Shelly Miscovich, the wife, question mark of David Miscavige, the leader of Scientology, has not been seen in public in many years. There's speculation and there were episodes of the Aftermath TV show trying to find her and figure out what happened to her. She's supposedly holed up in a cabin near Big Bear in the mountains above Los Angeles. And uh, the there have been wellness checks by the police. There have been all sorts of efforts to find her by Leah Remini and nobody can. So what's going right. on there? She is out of sight, out of mind, and somehow or another, Miscavige has managed to disappear his wife, just like L. Ron Hubbard did with his wife, Mary Sue Hubbard. After, after Mary Sue Hubbard was convicted of spying on the U.S. government and various other things and went to prison and came out, L. Ron Hubbard basically washed his hands and feet of her and stuck her in a house in Los Feliz to live out the rest of her life, and he never saw her again. I write in the book about what I believe happened that caused David to think that Shelley was no longer his ally and was starting to doubt his sanity and his decisions. And so she, too, was disappeared. And, you know, this is one of the unfortunate benefits, quote-unquote, of having tax-exempt status. In the United States, tax-exempt status by the IRS as a religious organization is the only governmental seal of approval that a religion can get. Because we have separation of church and state here, unlike in Europe or many other countries around the world, you don't get officially endorsed as a religion by the government. But you sort of do if you right. can get the IRS to say you're exempt as a religious organization under 501, tax code 501c3. And because of the First Amendment, they are very deferential as to what constitutes a religion. Yep. Right. So last question. Tom Cruise, he knows what's going on. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's impossible for him not to know that there are Sea Org members that are detailing his motorcycle and, you know, putting flower petals out for his girlfriend. How do you not know? I mean, so is it just, is he a bad guy, Tom Cruise, or is he just willfully ignorant? Well, he's not willfully ignorant. 
he is willfully devoted to Scientology. And there is this principle, and I talk a lot about it in the book in Scientology, of you pulled it in, that you caused whatever the bad circumstance is that you find yourself in by having committed similar things of your own previously. Uh, and, you know, I'm not doing justice to the scope of this concept or how pervasive it is in Scientology. But a Scientologist like Tom Cruise can look at people who are locked up in the hole, you know, not mm -hmm. eating, prevented from, from showering, living, sleeping on the floor, blah, 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 blah. And his response to that would be, just like any other good Scientologist, what did they do to pull it in? Not David Miscavige is a sociopath for putting all those people in the hole. What do those people do that resulted in them finding themselves in such terrible circumstances? That is Scientology think. That is the prison of belief. That is what I have tried to describe in, you know, 350 pages of this book. The how do you get to the point where the nuttiest shit on earth happening before your face or even happening to you is justified and explained and goes on? Mike, are you often, are you reached out to by people who are considering leaving Scientology? Oh, all the time. And what do you say? I say, uh, go read Going Clear, read uh, Bareface Messiah, watch The Aftermath. I never try and persuade someone, here is what you need to do. I will tell them what my experience has been. I'll tell them that I don't have, um, you know, I'm not walking, walking in their shoes. I'm not living their life. So I don't know what all the factors are because always it's complicated, Craig. There's always... Well, if I do leave my family or my job or this, or th there's all these like interconnecting things always. So I just try and, and direct them to where to go to find information. Hmm. Congrats on the book. It's a billion years. My escape from a life in the highest ranks of Scientology. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. We're back with the call sheet. Craig, are you excited about Lyle Lyle Crocodile? You know, I have nothing against it. I hope nothing but the best for it. You you have no idea what Lyle Lyle Crocodile is. Admit it. <laughs> no, not really. I, you just told me it was a children's book. I had never read it or heard it. It is a children's book. It is a now now a movie starring an amazing trio of Sean Mendes as a singing crocodile, Constance Wu, and for some reason, Javier Bardem is in this movie. Sure. Yeah, of course. Why not get an Oscar winner? Um, that movie is predicted to be to gross about fifteen million this weekend. I'm going to take the over on Lyle Lyle Crocodile. There isn't a lot out there for kids right now. My kid is definitely into this. It got him. The billboards and the YouTube ads got him, and I think it's going to overperform. The other big movie this weekend is Amsterdam, the David O. Russell movie with about a dozen stars. You know. In it, the critics did not love this movie. It's got about 28% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty devastating for a awards-style director like David O. Russell. Um, this is an $80 million movie for some reason. He spent $80 million on this. It, Disney's releasing it, but it was actually paid for by a company called New Regency, which invests in a lot of independent films. Uh, that movie's tracking is at about $10 million. I think I'm going to take the under on that. 
does not look like it's resonating despite a huge marketing campaign by Disney. Yeah, I, I will still probably see it just because, you know, how many star-studded comedy thrillers do you get nowadays? I'll see it. Really? Wow. All right, you will be there. Everyone, the, the five people that are going to Amsterdam, look for producer Craig there. And honestly, honestly, Smile could beat them all. The second weekend of Smile, the horror movie that came out last week and did 22 million, it could beat them all. We don't know. It's Halloween season. People like horror. All right, that's the show for today. I want to thank Mike Rinder for coming on. I want to thank producer Craig Holbeck. And I want to thank you. We will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.